everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Leading Education Podcast. I am Jeff Rose, and I am not here with my co-host today, Jason Pace, for the reason of having a guest. I have a very special guest today that I'm, I'm thrilled and very excited about. I think you'll understand why in just a moment. And I will tell you, I did not invite this particular guest because he is, quote, an educator. This is about leading education, but I did invite a leader. And by the way, leading translates. There are incredible leaders. In fact, I would say the majority of leaders that I have learned from and continue to do so are not necessarily educators at all. And so this person and I talk about leading all the time. And I am gonna introduce you in a moment, yes, uh, drum roll, to my dad, my pop, my father. And the reason is, and first he's looking at me, um, he's giving me some kind of cross-eyed right now look because he's going to be frustrated in the way I brag about him. But my dad is, is an amazing leader. He is a, he is a coach. Uh, he is a swim coach and an accomplished one at that. He has coached, I'll tell you, just two different Olympic games for the United States, five different Olympians. He's been the Olympic coach for Mexico, Tunisia, Poland, He's had 14 Olympic swimmers over the years, two gold medals, two world records. He's been to the Pan Am Games as, their, as the U.S. coach five times, the World Championships for the U.S. three times, the World University Games three times, etc. He wants me to stop talking about him at this particular time, but he is an accomplished leader. In fact, he's recently retired and not doing a very good job at it because he has attempted to retire, but he seems to get pulled back into it because, you know, swimming and the pursuit of people um, accomplishing great things is his passion. And it's what he has lived for for a long, long period of time. And uh, that means you're old, I guess, Dad. You so welcome you. to the show. Thank you very much, Jeff, and I really appreciate you having me. In fact, I'm an avid listener of your uh, podcast along the way. In fact, I want to make sure that every week you have one. In fact, I've called you a couple of times because you're a day late getting it out. But other than that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here, and I think this kind of interaction will be helpful to everyone, not uh, just in the fact that I'm a coach, but... The coach is a teacher, and so indeed, I, I'm, I'm excited to share anything I possibly can to help 
help you out. And it's it's true. Uh, if if the podcast is not out by a particular time of the week, I get texts and phone calls from my pop asking what's going on. Um, I remind him that this is just something I do for fun and actually not my full time job. But um, he is probably my number one fan. So you know to be able to have learned from him, uh, continue to learn through my dad, and to have him as a guest is just uh, it's it's pretty cool. And the premise of this show is going to be this: we're going to interview each other. So we are going to have uh, my dad ask me some questions. Um, I'm very curious about what he's going to ask. And then I'm going to ask him some questions. And we will do our best to tie it and, once again, focus this discussion on the very things that my dad and I talk a lot about, which have to do with leading and have to do with uh, people and the learnings along the way and, by the way, education. My dad peppers me with questions and sometimes has very strong opinions, and um, I've learned a lot. So uh, welcome, Dad. I think you're up first. So, Jeff, here's my first question for you. You know, I'm an avid listener trying to, uh, to learn myself from you, believe it or not. And uh, your, one of your first podcasts was the Why Podcast, and you were talking about the uh, trials and tribulations, pitfalls, and so on of growing up. And indeed, in high school, you had a few of those along the way. And I thought that was a, quite an interesting podcast. However, I almost want to defend myself a little bit and, uh, and expound on that. But I'm going to ask you to expound on it a little bit, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come back at you. Okay. So... The reason I focused on uh, my why and told my story and some of my challenges, and Dad, here's the thing. I don't know if you maybe need to go back and listen. I did not give gory details. You happen to know gory details, right? So maybe you listened a little. You read between the lines, so to speak, according to what I was mentioning. You know the inside scoop and the stories. I did not mention any of those, right? Because, you know, maybe we have some young listeners out there. So I wanted to... um, uh, I was tame in the way I told the story. But the reason I told it that way is because I actually think that it is my struggles, my challenges that have really shaped me over the years and have helped me, um, number one, be passionate for all students, regardless of their circumstance and regardless of sometimes even their current performance, right? I, it really has helped me believe in potential because there was a period of time that I just did not think I had potential as it relates to school and academics. So that's kind of the why behind my why, if that makes sense. And you just happen to know a lot of things that our listeners don't. Well, I will compliment you in the fact that as you were having, quote, these trials and tribulations along the way, I, as a parent, really knew that you were going to get over them someday. And indeed, the important thing was is to allow you to be you and to learn from mistakes. And indeed, we all learn from mistakes. Life is a bunch of trial and error. And if you learn from the trial, you know, and the errors, you'll be a lot better off for it. So. As you were having these and dealing with them, I still knew you were going to make it someday. Well, you know, um, failing sometimes uh, 
can be a really good thing, right? And I think that one of the benefits uh, as one who failed quite a bit is I got used to that, right? And so even in this, during this time, even as a, as a leader, knowing that I am going to fail, I don't know exactly what it's going to be at and, and why, but I also know that I'll learn from it, I'll pick myself up, and I'll move on. And I think, you know, probably to your point, um, I learned about some of those things because I did struggle and because maybe you as well as my mom allowed me at times to fail. And uh, I, think I think that's that was a, important. I think that's a good point, Jeff. I really do. I think it, it's something we can't force our people or our, our children, et cetera, to uh, always succeed at everything because they're not going to always succeed at everything. And I think now, to be quite candid, we're seeing a lot of that in schools. I think that they, hey, we have to make sure that they pass this or take this course or whatever. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the fact is, is that I really believe that you have to allow your kids to get out there, make choices, bad ones if they do, and learn from them. And I'll, I'll add, and many of you have probably read, or some of you have read, uh, some of Drucker's work on grit. And if you have not, I recommend you do. And, you know, you learn grit and perseverance through a variety of ways, and one of them is having the space to be able to fall down, to be able to fail, and the encouragement to be able to get back up. And uh, one dilemma you just described is something that I think we struggle with, right? There is a level of protective environment that we have created sometimes for kids because we want them to be successful. So we're gonna protect them and we're gonna make sure they succeed and we're gonna push them to succeed in everything they do, which is sometimes contrary to what they need when they leave us in the real world, which is knowing how to get back up because I promise they will fall down. We will all fall down for it. Okay, Jeff, I have another question for you. You are a people person, and you always have been. And there are stories about you being a people person as you were younger. <laughs> and maybe I'll get into that. But the question really centers around the fact that some people are extroverts, some are introverts. The question is... In education, can you be a leader and a great educator being an introvert? So absolutely, an introvert can be an educator. Now it is true that an extrovert gets energy by being with people and an introvert gets their energy sometimes by having times of solitude. However, I know that both kinds of people can relate to others in their unique way. So for example, Keep this in mind, as a teacher is standing in front of a class, there are introverts and extroverts in that classroom. So yeah. we need to be able to relate and work with one another regardless of what fuels us. One ingredient that is necessary for an educator is not being an introvert or an extrovert. It has to do with uh, their value of others. Mm -hmm. There are some that truly um, don't want to work with people because they are passionate about something else. It could be a product, it could be, 
coding. It could be a variety of skill sets that don't lend themselves to people. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, to be an educator, you have to care and love for people. And if that is not the case, if you don't have that ingredient, well, then you should find something else. That's important. But, you know, not the introvert, extrovert, you know, point to, from my perspective. So that's, that's a great answer. I, I just do remember when you were in high school and I knew you were a people person and an extrovert when you announced to me and to the world that, you know, you were going to be a TV personality and uh, I believe the late night Dave Letterman was going to end up having you take over for him. Is yeah, he was, gonna have to, he was gonna have to move over. He was, yeah. he was, a, he, he was, he was one of my mentors. You, yeah. Tupac, but David Letterman was something. I do remember you uh, training for that uh, a lot with people. Yeah, yeah all day long, yes, right? Yeah. All day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, that, uh, that dream has not become a reality, has it? David Letterman has never called me. Um, I've never gotten even a hint that he's interested, nor is anybody else asked me to, you know, kind of host their show uh, in, at late night. So. I know. I can't understand why they haven't, but maybe... I'm stick, still waiting. Stay by the phone. I'm still stay waiting. By the phone. I'm holding my breath. Okay, Jeff, I have one final question for you. Uh, all right. And that is about what is going on today in so many high schools across the country, and it's about the accelerated learning curve, if you will. And basically, I'm talking about AP courses and the emphasis that everyone has on them and the importance that put upon them on the student that you need to, if you're ever going to go to college, take this AP course and that AP course and so on and get all the extra credit and you enter college with all the extra credit and so on and you end up being a student 24 hours a day trying to make sure that you stay up with all the accelerated learning. I'm concerned that are they really getting the education, the true education of what is supposed to be given in high school and beyond. So this this is this is a big question, right? So as you and I both know, the the challenge will be how do I get, give a tight answer on this? Because, um, you know, we are experiencing uh, a really interesting uh, challenge and shift over the you know the past couple of decades, especially over the past just number of few years. On um, what it takes to get into college is different now than when um, when I transitioned from high school to college, when you transitioned from high school to college. Um, I almost made a joke just now about whether they had college back then. Uh, actually, they did. <laughs> okay, so... You'd be surprised. Um, anyway, so the, the pendulum has swung really, really far. And one dilemma is, you know, it's, it's just not balanced at this point in time. I think that we have become enamored with this idea that students have to be extremely accelerated very early on in order to blank. And blank can be filled with lots of things, right? So often it is they can be successful at the next level. So for example, right now we have tons of acceleration happening throughout this country in elementary school so that they're ready for middle school. 
and in middle school, so they're ready to take accelerated and impressive classes when they're in high school. Why in high school? Because they want to get into a really good college. Why a really good college? And it, it keeps going, right? Yeah. And the dilemma is education is not just about the next thing. Education are these incredible life skills that you build over time so that you can be successful when you're not in school, right? And so one thing we struggle with is we often become fascinated on helping kids in school become really good in school. And right. that's not what the, it is about. Now, that is, there's nothing to say there's anything wrong with AP courses. That, you know, there are incredible courses that, that we provide students. My, my kids, my daughter takes AP courses and, you know, is learning a lot. However, when it gets to the point where the coursework is the only thing, the only thing that kids are focused on, it is the thing causing levels of anxiety that leads to sometimes dangerous things happening to kids. Well, then the pendulum has gone too far. There is something about learning beyond the classroom that is very important. I became an educator not because of necessarily what I learned in the classroom. I became an educator because I learned other things along the way that helped me understand, sometimes maybe, maybe it was a little too late, but it helped me understand that, you know what, there is something to education that I want to be a part of because if I can contribute to a person's belief in themselves, even as a learner early, then they may not face some of the challenges that I did. And by the way, that didn't have to do with what I learned in an AP course. So it's both. I'm not saying, you know, high levels of rigor is wrong. It's actually a really good thing and really needed, but... There is a line, and many times we not only just kind of dance over it, we run across it, and sometimes we've gone way too far beyond that line, and uh, I think that creates sometimes some an unhealthy environment for kids. And I totally agree with you on that, Jeff. I, I, I also want to make it clear that I'm not against AP courses. What I'm against is that the, the emphasis on the fact that if you don't take AP courses, you're not worthy. And I think a lot of the students nowadays are getting that, and they're getting it from their parents as well, as well as the education, the education system itself. And, you know, growing up is so difficult in and of itself that the experiences have to be there in all sorts of ways. And being a coach, I, I dealt with it all the time, especially when I was dealing with high school swimmers. I mean, I asked a lot of them as far as their dedication to the sport, and the school system was asking a lot of them based upon their dedication to education and to the course, courses themselves. And, and sometimes it was a very confusing, difficult thing for the student athlete in this case. And, and indeed, it becomes so stressful that there's where you have a lot of problems along the way in, in the whole system. And you've talked about it, too, in other podcasts, too. And you will continue to talk about it. And I think it's something that has to have that conversation. Well, I mean, uh, so to, to that point, 
I've learned so much. I've learned so many skills, I say, from the discipline in my sport. So as you know, in, in high school, for example, I was very dedicated to my sport, not necessarily to studying, but to my sport. And I learned um, what it means to have discipline. I learned what it means to put into time into something that I loved even when it was really hard. And, you know, that, that helped me. It still helps me. And you're right, the, the dilemma is how do we create an environment where kids can do both things as opposed to just one, right? Correct. And, and correct. It's, so whether correct. it's a sport or whether it's drama or whether it's a particular club after school, how do we have kids involved in what I've always called the hook? Because not all kids are going to be attracted and driven by Algebra 2 trig. That's not going to be the case. Some are. What about the ones who are not? They need a hook, whether it's a sport or a club or an activity, where they also learn skills that translate to success and potentially even leadership later on. It's called balance. Yeah. And, and that's so very important to be able to have the student to balance their lives and be able to learn from everything that they do and to reach out in everything that they do. And, and the one thing to remember, I, I think, too, is not all people are going to end up going to Harvard. But we, as parents, sometimes think, oh, no, 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 my child is going to have to be ready to go to Harvard. And it's not necessarily the case. There are plenty of other possibilities out there that will help them become great people. Whether, and those are colleges, those are trades, those are, there's incredible things kids can learn and, you know, translate to the world of work that don't have to do with just the educational setting. So I, you know, I'm just adding on to your point. Right. So, uh, so now I have some questions. Got if that it. makes sense. And it's funny that you, you bring up balance, Dad. And the reason is, you're not a balanced person, right? <laughs> now, yes. I only say that because, right, you, you, you found what you're passionate about. Right, yeah. and you live right what you're passionate about, um, which is which is phenomenal. But you know, um, you also, to your point earlier, you asked a lot of kids in terms of time, right? Right. And I have just noticed that you've you've had to compete often with demanding time because you know what it takes to be really good. You know what it takes for a kid to be great. Right. Um, and how you create, you know, the balance with other things as I just know have been a, a lifelong challenge for you as you try to contribute to the lives of kids as well, but of course in the pool as opposed to the classroom. Right. So here's here's my first question for you. Okay. Um, so you're the you're the father of a son and that you're the father of me. And you mentioned before I was a late bloomer. And there's no doubt about it. I'm actually still blooming from day to day. And so uh, I was a late bloomer. And my question for you is, how do you, with those that you've coached and mentored along the way, how do you assess potential? And the reason I ask you that is you never gave up on me. And you could have many, many times. You must have seen something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And I will tell you, you must do the same thing with every swimmer and person that you're mentoring along the way. So when you look at a person, whether the person is 15 or 25 or 30, how do you assess potential in people? Actually, 
Believe it or not, it's a very difficult question, but I think the most important part that I try to do is help them to assess themselves and give them every opportunity to be the best they can be, but to be honest with themselves. A good, uh, a good story about that is yourself. When you were 14, if I remember correctly, <laughs> you were going to be a great football player. So one, you're 5'4", Jeff. Your, your, your arm, your ability to throw the football is, is limited. Um, the, fact that, the fact that you're slow uh, could be a problem in that. Oh, shifty. I said, yeah, you were kind of, <laughs> but not in an athletic sense. But the fact is that I then said, well, if you are going to be a football player, maybe quarterback isn't what you want to be. I said, you know, you're kind of tough and you like, you like uh, physical contact and so on. If you're going to play football, how about being a center? And you looked at me and said, are you kidding me? The chicks don't like centers. I want to be a quarterback. I said, well, let's start looking at other avenues then. You know, well, it, it is true, and I want to add to this story. Just uh, um, we're clear. Your your portion? No, yeah, my portion. So number one, everything's accurate so far. I don't know. Um, I will tell you that the one thing you did for me at that point in time, you, you talked about being honest. You were honest with me, right? You said uh, you told me that you would support me, um, but you were also very clear that this would be a very uh, tough road to hoe. And the fact is. It was not going to be an overnight success because, by the way, all those sports that I played, and I played a bunch of them, football was not one of them. That, this, was, this was a new kind of over-the-weekend vision I got for myself. Right. I don't know what movie I had watched that weekend, but something inspired me to be that, that quarterback. And you basically, in a very sensitive and loving and firm way, described that this was actually just not a good idea. And, you know, you, you promoted me to focus on things that I love, but also things that would have some level of potential, which, of course, was the case, right? I, I, I jumped back in the pool. The most, the most important thing was that I wanted you to make your decision based upon facts, but lead you into making the decision basically that I wanted you to make. And so I brought up the different sports, the different... Um, positions of different sports and so on and indeed uh, finally led it to being the sport of water polo which turned out great for you now here's the other thing about potential though um you you don't just judge potential by say a person's time in the pool so for example as a coach obviously um swimmers um are they're judged based upon their times, period, right? Um, however, you have made uh, a living off knowing how to look beyond just the person's time and think about what they could be one day. So when you look at a person, of course you look at maybe their physical attributes as a coach, but what else do you look for? There, there must be other things that you think lend themselves to not just success as an athlete, but to success, of course, you know, in, in the world. Yeah. One of them is exactly what you talk about a lot, is passion. 
I mean, do they have a passion for the sport? And are they willing to dedicate themselves? I always talk about the five Ds of, uh, of being a champion. And uh, I hope I can get all five of them now. But one is dedication, discipline, desire, uh, devotion, and determination. And I will say this, ladies and gentlemen, my dad had me memorize the five Ds early. <laughs> So I've known the five Ds. I've even dropped that quote once myself. So um, I was I was making sure that you didn't miss one. So because you know you've, you've drilled those into me over the years, Pop. Yeah, and 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 you look at any athlete or any person, you you do take those uh, particular words, and and you can you can really look at a person and and, and look at all five of those areas, and indeed if they seem to cover them all usually they're going to they're going to be just fine and the important thing again in in coaching and assessing their abilities for that sport is one thing but the most important thing that i ever feel or felt as a coach is what kind of person am i going to develop what am I going to turn out to society? What kind of life skills am I going to make sure that they have so that when they go out and, and they're not going to be a swimmer for the rest of their lives as far as compet- competition is concerned, what kind of person are they going to be? So let me ask you uh, my, my, what I think is my last question. It kind of circles back to a topic you asked me about. Swimming brings an intense... Uh, population, an intense um, parent population at times. Parents often, you know, out of love, believe that their kid um, has, has it, whatever that is. They, they see their children sometimes unrealistically because they love them, because they want great things for them. I would say the same things happen in education. Parents have a vision for their children, and sometimes they will push, they will prod, they will poke, they will do whatever it takes. They will provide whatever it takes in order for their children to, quote, succeed. And I think that often, if it, even if it is out of love, it sometimes is unhealthy because not all students need to be great and have a four-point-something GPA to be successful. And yet sometimes the parent populations believe that is the case. Well, I also know that's the case in swimming because I've lived through it, through you. So just talk to me real quickly about how you navigate this. How do you navigate sending a message to, to kids as well as parents that by the way, they can be great people and they can improve and succeed and they don't have to be an Olympian or the best. And by the way, coming from an Olympic coach, this will be interesting. You're so right, Jeff. And, and it all comes out of we all love our kids and we want the very best for them. And sometimes we don't think clearly because of it. And the important thing is education to the parents as well as how do you treat, in my case, an athlete, a swimmer? How do you treat that your child? 
along the way. And it's so important to get across that. And in education, I would suspect that the most important word is support. And you want to support them. You don't want to uh, try to make them something they're not or make them something that you want them to be. Support them, and they will end up being the best they can be. But to absolutely dictate and to to make it something that is uh, about you, the parent, versus the swimmer or the student, that really is the problem. And you see it in all youth sports. I certainly see it in swimming in the and, and parents thinking that my child is going to be the next Olympian. And you almost have to get them to say, you know, no, your child probably is not. Look at the statistics, you know. But at the same time, he can or she can be an amazing person because of the sport. But you're going to drive them out, parents. You're going to drive them out. And I've seen it so many times over the years because they think that their kid has got to have genetics because of them. And unfortunately, not the case. And I will tell you this, the exact same thing happens in school. The exact same thing. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the sport, but often the, the drive to, quote, achieve and succeed sometimes comes from the home. And there's nothing wrong with supporting and even pushing your kids. And um, there is sometimes more than... That defines a child than a GPA, and sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes parents lose sight of that, and so it, it, there's a reason I asked the question. I just know there's lots of parallels. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll end. I'm going to end. Try to bring this to an end by saying a couple of things. Um, and this is this is an educational message. The educational message is, I think parents, families are a child's first and foremost teachers. I have learned more from my family, my parents, you, Dad, um, than I have in any classroom. I would like to say to educators, we are, we are an addition. We are an add-on. It is important that we love children and our kids, um, and we are a value add because truly, parents and families is often where kids learn some of their lessons for values, some of their lessons for work ethic, and translate often to success or sometimes even lack thereof. And so the reason I bring that up is to thank you, Dad, here on the air, because I have learned so much about you leading along the way. I grew up and you were a coach in my early years. I also remember when you left coaching, you left coaching and you went to something else. Right. You were, you were in the world of finance. Correct. And, um, you know, that went well and had some ups and downs along the way, of course. But it was my senior year of high school that you made a decision that you were going to start over. Correct. And you said, I am going to go back to what I love. And you actually completely started over at... 46, 47, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And started your life over. And by the way, went back and had an amazing run that you never could have envisioned and are still going strong today in your passion. And uh, that that's really, really helped me. It's helped me recently. I stepped down from 
this dream job that I loved. And I am promoted now to pursue what I'm passionate about. And I am passionate about education and about leading. And it is why I am moving into my next venture because I have a vision for what's possible. And I think many, many of the skill sets that have translated to my interest in wanting to move forward and doing great things is because I have seen you take some of the same risks. And so I want to thank you that Dan. I appreciate that. Very kind of you. And he's, he's giving me, ladies and gentlemen, kind of a dirty look because um, he probably doesn't like me talking about him so kindly on the air. So once again, I am um, Jeff Rose. I thank you for listening to Leading Education. And I want to say thanks, Pop. This has been a blast. Having my number one fan sitting across the table from me um, is truly a privilege. Thank you very much. All right. Love you. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.